Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello and welcome everybody to the Home Education Matters podcast. Today we're going to be looking at the top tips for new home educators. So all those things that you wish you knew when you started out and wish somebody had told you. So hopefully we will be telling you all of those. And I'm joined today by Helen. Helen is a massively experienced home educator. So Helen, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. And I've just stopped home educating. Uh, My youngest has gone to college this September, but I started home educating in 1992. So um, we're going to have to do the maths now and work out how long that is. That's a long time. That was 30 30 years. years, 30 years, exactly. (laughs) More or less. (laughs) You need a you need a medal. Oh, yeah, they should give them out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think the L.A. give out gold medals for 30 years of service? I certainly deserve one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've loved every minute of it. It's been great. I'm really, really glad that I've done it. You know, yes, it's had its challenges, but it's uh, overall, I've loved it. And your children are off to college now, are they? Well, my eldest one is grown up with a family of his own. Um, There's a big age gap between my first and second child. So even though I was educating for a long, home educating for a long time, I wasn't home educating tons of children. My middle one is at university and my youngest has just started sixth form. So what do you do with your time now that you've got all that free time? Uh, well, I've been um, I've been tutoring maths for a number of years, about, I don't know, seven or eight years already. So now that means I've got daytime availability for home educators and I write resources as well, which I've also been doing for about 10 years. But I'm trying to do a few more of those I think really also take time for myself I have joined started a pottery class oh how lovely is that throwing pots or sort of like molding them by hand oh throwing throwing it's lovely how relaxing you know it's funny you talk about self-care but we Mm. probably should have that we probably should have that as a tip actually don't forget yourself is probably one of the biggest tips you can have as a home educator because you do tend to uh, kind of uh, neglect yourself a little bit sometimes when you home educate because your child is always there. So you don't have sort of set hours. So I think it can be easy to forget that you're important too and that you need to do stuff for yourself, right? Absolutely. It's very important. You know, if you've not got, if you don't look after yourself, you're going to end up a bit burnt out. Um, And as well, there is the other advantage that, as you explore your own interests and do things that you love, you pass that example on to your own children and your passions as you demonstrate that you have passions and you love, you've got hobbies that you enjoy. You know, it kind of gives, it just encourages your own children to follow their passions and their hobbies as well. I know what you mean, because when I was studying my master's, my children were like 10 and 11, something like that, and obviously home educated. And we used to all sit at the table together and they would do their lessons and I would do my lessons and all three of us would do, and I used to call it parallel study, like parallel play, but parallel study. And we would all just sit together. And I think it's very nice, isn't it? If you're also doing a kind of similar thing where some sort of learning at the same time, I think it is lovely to to mirror that for your your child, right? Well, yeah, that's exactly the reason why I started doing my degree, because I did it with the Open University. 
when my eldest was sort of becoming a teenager and I thought, oh, I need to set him this good example of study. So I got up every morning and started studying. But unfortunately, he was a teenager and he stayed in bed and did not <laughs> witness my amazing studying abilities. So, <laughs> yeah, I was lucky that my children were sort of 10 and 11, because if I'd done it a few years later, I could have done as much studying as, as the world could expect and they would still have stayed in bed. <laughs> Well, there was true. there was no mirror, no mirroring when they're teenagers unless no. you just stay in bed for the whole time. Um, okay, so we've already drifted off topic, so that's brilliant. Um, oh, but that's, that's, kind of, no, that's kind of a tip. I think I think self care is definitely a big tip. But our first tip is, and this is the one that I think whenever I ask any home educators for their top tip, I think this is the most popular one, which is not to rush into things. So not to rush into buying things, not to rush into signing up for stuff, not to sort of rush into writing timetables or sort of like dashing into sort of choosing subjects and I think uh, I think that's I think we're all guilty of that right I I bought so many resources when I first started out it was crazy it's true I think it can be when you're starting out there's some kind of um, it feels proactive to be doing all those things but then you know, you've just got all this stuff and then it starts becoming, oh, my goodness, we haven't used these things. Oh, my goodness, I've paid for this. I must do it. You must do it every day. And that's kind of counter. Counter efficient. I feel like no, that exactly. should be a word. <laughs> it, yeah, counter efficient. It should be a word. Yeah. I'm trying to think <laughs> counterintuitive, but it's not the right word. Counterproductive. That's it's right. Counterproductive. That's right. The thing is, if you and we've actually got this, this is a tip later on. But I think yeah. sometimes you buy things and you think this is um, I've got to finish this now. Like I've got to pursue it because I've bought it or I've signed up for it. So I've got to do it. And, and when I think sometimes we we find ourselves locked into something and we, you know, it's difficult for us to reverse out of it. But I do think that if you take that time to begin with, if you pause a little bit to begin with and just get some recommendations from other home educators, see see what other people are using get some reviews I think those kind of things are very helpful when you're starting out they are but again I don't it's the, the other it's, it's very very helpful to get recommendations and reviews uh, but again you've got to bear in mind that every home ed family is different and just because something works really well for you know like somebody down road or in the next town it's not necessarily going to work for your child or your family yeah, I mean, I think you also made a good point to me um, when we were off air that the LA, the local authority expect learning sort of like from day one, right? So, I mean, that learning can look look like anything really, but although we say not to rush in, you do need to you do need to have a sense of what education is going on, even if it's very natural sort of organic education. Absolutely. I think it's definitely one of the things... Um, that I think is really important when you start is to maybe consider different educational styles and philosophies and do some research on what home education looks like for different families and for different systems. But you don't necessarily have to follow any of those systems to the absolute T. And it's perfectly possible to home educate with a kind of pick and mix eclectic approach which is really kind of what we did here but you do need to take your time but yes it does have to start from day one but it doesn't have to look like school so a lot of the things that families would do uh, during school holidays or at weekends they can be incorporated and expanded on for education you know things like families watch documentaries on an evening together 
and that is an educate part of education it is educational and you can sit and watch documentaries with your child talk to each other about what's going on have conversations you know and there is learning happening you just need to be able to identify that that learning is happening if you like would that be covered in de-schooling? Because de-schooling is a concept that I didn't do because my children never went to school. But maybe you could talk us through de-schooling because I think de-schooling is a little bit of that. It's understanding that education is, is more than just what we see in schools. Oh, absolutely. Yes. De-schooling is not always for children. I have to say, you know, everybody talks about de-schooling the children and giving them the time to recover from school trauma or get school out of the system. But parents have more often than not been in the state education or formal education system for a lot of years. And it's the parents who need to de-school themselves more than their children need de-schooling. And it's not a finite process. I think it's very much an ongoing process for parents. So one of those steps is being able to recognise the learning value in the things that are happening every day and sort of then taking it maybe a step further being able to um, identify oh that could go under this skill and in that subject area it's also having confidence you know and a bit of faith that what you're doing and the approach you're taking is right for your child and um, I'd also say that part of the de-schooling process is definitely observing you know, mm. that's spending time, getting to know your child, getting to know each other, getting to find out what makes them tick, you know. That brings uh, us very nicely onto our next tip, actually, because the next sort of tip is to take some time to get to know how your child likes to learn, you know, what they respond to, what taking that time to sort of get to know your child when it comes to how they learn, I think is so vital, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is, definitely. You know, you want to uh, encourage your children's interests, I think that in one way, what you have is you have the sense that education only looks a certain way because that's what we've seen in school. And then mm. when you home educate, you realize that actually going out to places, you know, um, when they're playing Minecraft and they're getting involved in, in all sorts of things with that, there's interests that you can follow there. Yeah, there absolutely are. I mean, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of video games, I have to say. It's not something that I am particularly comfortable with. Um, <laughs> I don't, I mean, my kids play them obviously, but I'm not um, a massive fan. I have played Overcooked, but I get sent to do the washing up and nothing else. I'm not allowed to do anything else when we <laughs> play that together. But I and, I and the whole Minecraft thing, my youngest, he was the right age for that when it all came out, you know, and he wanted mm. to do Minecraft. And I was just a bit like, oh, my goodness, you're spending so long on that. It's a video game. What's it about? And then it was suddenly, he starts saying to me, well, oh, Obsidian is this, this, and this, and this, and this. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> All right, then. Okay. And that's part of my own de-schooling process, you know, that that kind of even after so many years, I've still got my own ideas of what is educational and what isn't educational, what's valuable and what isn't valuable. And that de-schooling process, like I say, is ongoing because it is acknowledging that my son found something. He learned something in something that I don't consider to be educational. Mm. Obviously, you know, Minecraft is educational and, and I do know kids can learn all sorts of stuff from playing video games. It's just not my choice of resource. I had exactly the same experience. And this is a classic example of allowing your child to follow their interests um, or not in my case, or or at least learning that I needed to. 
whereas my daughter likes to make reels for Instagram and TikTok and things like that. And I'm not a massive fan of social media. And for me, it was just her sitting on her phone and I was freaking out and being, oh, she's spending all her time on her phone. And then she would send me these things and I realized how unbelievably creative they are and how, and then I tried to make one for myself, for my business, and I couldn't make a reel to save my life. And I thought, here's my daughter knocking off these reels 10 times a day. And it's it's one of those where uh, we're slower than our children, I think sometimes in realizing what's educational and what's not. Uh, So the next tip, and I think this is probably one that incorporates lots of things and is another very big one, is not to try to replicate school at home. And I think this is, is such a big topic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think you see that quite a lot, don't you, that people take the kids out of school. Um, Again, it's that whole de-schooling thing. It's as if they think they've got to do school at home. They've got to sit down with a timetable. They've got to divide everything up into subjects. And they need to spend as many hours of the day sat focusing on these formal subjects as a school would do. And that's really, and it's, it's, too, it's too rigid, really. And that's it's the rigidity of it that is just of no benefit in the end because yeah I mean for me the two the two watchwords I always say the two watchwords for home education are flexibility and freedom and they're Mm. the things that you gain by being a home educator and if you Mm. if you try to replicate school at home you're throwing those out of the window and you're trying to do something that you will never be able to match a school at so it would just be very frustrating and and you're not actually, that's not actually what home education is. Home education is so much more than that. So it's a learning process, isn't it? Realising that actually you're not going for homeschooling, you're going for home education. Well, that's it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? During COVID, everyone's going on about how hard it was to homeschool their kids. But that was because they were given all this stuff from schools. They were still mm. having to follow the school's demands and requirements. And that's definitely not what home education's about. You know, the other thing, the other thing I think is that a lot of people uh, pull their child out of school um, for all sorts of reasons, not not always academic, but quite often um, the child will have kind of very negative connotations sort of based around school and around school type work because it will remind them, it will trigger them, sort of remind them of this experience that was very negative. And so if you then sit your child down at home and expect them to do the same kind of things that they've been doing in this very negative environment, I think it it sets you up for failure quite early on. I think you're right. Definitely. People do take the kids out of school for all sorts of reasons. And it's usually not academic. It's usually because they're not getting the support they need or it's because, the, you know, a lot of kids get bullied or mm. they just there's a lot of anxiety around school. So if you've got a child particularly suffering anxiety around school to bring them home and try to create that environment at home, it's not going to help them. You need to focus on the fact that you're at home, that it's home education and that's not to say that some children don't like structure and some children don't like workbooks because I know my son um, thrived off what I thought was very boring dry things you know he liked kumon maths and all that kind of very sort of um, black and white workbook scene and he and he writes his own timetable if I don't write a timetable for him he just, he just writes his own timetable and some children do like that but other children don't and so I suppose it's back again to this idea of of getting to know your child and what they respond to Absolutely, absolutely. My eldest, he came out of school and in the 90s, kind of the only information that was available came from like my Education Otherwise newsletter that came through my door every month or so. And it was the ethos at the time was very much autonomous education. 
you know, and that's what pretty much everybody did. Um, and then, of course, you get the internet and there's more information out there about different styles of home education, different methods of home education, things that have worked for more families. And I had two more children. And so we'd always had this very autonomous approach, but my two younger ones very quickly made it clear that they wanted structure, they wanted a rhythm and a routine to their days, you know. Uh, my youngest was always asking, what are we doing today? Uh, my mm -hmm. daughter, she was always trying to timetable us to within an inch of our lives. <laughs> uh, I have to say, though, you know, she it's fantastic. She really did help me gain some good organisational skills over the years. And yeah, we, le we learn as much from our children as they learn from us because I, I learned the importance of timetabling from my son as well. I always liked this very free life. And, and he made me realise that how much more effective you can be if you do timetable stuff in. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. But we ha but we did have this rhythm to our days, but it was a rhythm that still allowed for flexibility. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And one other thing I think that when people are replicating school is they sometimes think, as you, as you mentioned, that you have to do kind of school hours, you know, maybe weekends off, summer holidays off, nine to four kind of thing. And realistically, you can be so much more effective in your learning when you're one to one at home that you don't need to do that many hours. I mean, I always say, and, and, I, and I stick to this, my, my children have never done more than two hours a day with large chunks of the year off when we go traveling. And they've got GCSEs, my son's doing A-levels, doesn't do more than two hours a day. I think people don't realize when they first take their child out how much more effective you can be in learning when it's when it's sort of that that very focused targeting learning there's I'm actually a trained teacher and there's a lot of flim flam in school there's <laughs> a lot of havering around and plenaries and starters and then you obviously have a lot of what I call crowd management which is mm -hmm. sort of uh, you know classroom management but there's a lot of there's a lot of messing around in schools that that you don't have when you home educate you can really get to the nitty-gritty quite quickly can't you oh absolutely I mean we did uh things like we did do some like so we had a rhythm and routine and some structure so we did maths but we never did more than half an hour of maths every morning right up until about six months before the IGCSE exam and then we upped it to an hour obviously some days it was an hour and a half or two hours or whatever to cover the past mm. paper but other than that you know we just because you cover so much and uh, I also kind of um, I like the Charlotte Mason approach to short lessons I think that's a, a it really works well because everything you know you've got a little new thing to do after a short time and it's it means your brain's still fresh and it's still you can still take in much more information. I found that it was less effective to try to t spend longer on certain subjects. This is, you know, through experience, really. Mm. And um, I think this is another example of different children, right? Because my daughter, if, if she's expected, she's dyslexic, and if she's expected to spend more than about half an hour to 45 minutes on one thing, she her brain just switches off. She's just not mm -hmm. interested. My son, he likes to dedicate anything up to about three hours on one thing and he like deep dives down into into each thing and that's that's the thing is everyone will find their own route and that's the beauty of home education isn't it it allows the child to find how they like to study so when they do go on to university they know and understand how they like to plan their day how they like to balance their workload and how they enjoy studying oh, absolutely I mean my kids are all different so my uh, my daughter the, the super organized one uh, when it came to doing her GCSEs, she totally made planned everything out completely. She was very independent. She was very much, I'm doing this. 
Um, whereas my son, my younger son, he was very much like, like you said, you, you did parallel studying. I would be working at the table while he was studying. So I'm there to answer his questions. We did do some things as a lesson, if you like, uh, a more formal kind of thing. But it was very much he wanted my involvement. He knew what he had to do and he did sort of say, yes, I'll do this this day and this this day and I'll do this in the morning and this in the afternoon. So his was a much more kind of a looser approach, if you like. I think that's that actually leads us really well onto the next tip, actually, which is that it's really important not to try to compare yourself to either school, but also other home educators. And I, I found this when I when I started, I mean, I, I, I sort of didn't start, I just sort of fell into it. But when my children were younger, as you mentioned, almost all the home educators we knew were unschoolers. And we were reasonably structured because we used to travel around the world. And I like to have, like you said, a kind of rhythm to our days where a certain time of day, we would just do what I called lessons, which was, and it could look like anything, but it was, that was the time of day when we did it. Um, And I found myself often sort of questioning myself and thinking, am I doing this wrong? Because I'm doing it differently to everyone else. And some people like to do online schools and that's fine if it works for their family. And some people like to do early GCSEs and that's fine if it works for their children. But I think it's, we can get stuck sometimes in the comparison with other people, can't we? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's also, I think as well, when they're very young, it's really easy. Even though I don't educate my eldest, when my two younger ones were coming up to that kind of school age, uh, and all my friends around were sending their children to school, it's really easy to start questioning you know, whether this is right or not. Fortunately, I was already involved with a local homemade community. So we had that kind of support already. Um, but there were definitely moments when I was thinking, oh, you know, so-and-so's child is doing this already because this is what they're doing in schools and we haven't even looked at it. And then realising, you know, catching myself on really and sort of going, yeah, but my child is doing this, this and this, and they don't even do that in schools. So yeah, it's, exactly. and, and it's not to sort of, uh, in a way of saying, oh, we're better than them kind of thing. It's just a, a realisation that children all have different talents. They all have different strengths and they are all going to progress at a different rate in different areas. You know, some children are going to whiz away at maths and some children are going to whiz away at English and be way behind in, in maths and, and vice versa, you know, if you want to put it into a subject area. Um, and I don't think that's where that's where you, the Bennett, one of the benefits of home education is that you can look at your child's strengths and support those and build those without always going, oh, no, these are the weaknesses and we must focus on the weaknesses. That's the thing. In schools, you've got 30 children in a class and they all need to be at the same level because obviously there's only one teacher who can teach. And and so realistically, it's just logistically very difficult for them to have everybody at different levels. But one Mm -hmm. one of the the sort of the tenets of of home education, you know, flexibility, as I mentioned, is that you can allow your child to be very good at one or two subjects. They they could be working at a sort of year 10 rate and other ones and other subjects working at a year six. And that's absolutely fine. And and actually it leads us on to the next tip, which is um, that you can stagger your GCSEs. And this is something that I know that a lot of new home educators find sort of really quite astonishing. They just didn't realize that you could because they're so we're so used to the idea that you have to sit 10 GCSEs in the summer that you're 16 but that's not the case at all right 
That's true. Yeah, you can really start them um, as young. Well, I think they can start them as young as they like. And I've mm -hmm. heard of kids doing maths GCSE when they're like nine and things like that. Again, that's totally up to you as a family, you know. Um, one of the benefits of being able to stagger them, of course, is that it spreads the cost. And the other one is that it takes the pressure off, which is a big thing, I feel, for, for us. That was one reason to go ahead with this. It gives uh, the child experience as well, doesn't it? I found that my son sat, both my children sat an early one at 13, and it was almost like a tester GCSE yeah. that we weren't too fussed about, but I wanted them to get used to the process, the idea of revising, sitting, mock papers, that kind of thing. Yeah, we started, both minded their first, were they 14 or 15? 15, but it would have been the year 10. And they, and the same kind of thing, really, the first, what one of the first ones they did was one that, didn't really matter it mattered you know they've got a qualification but it wasn't one that they would need to go forward in the studies that they wanted to do later yeah um, and, and we it, will be doing another podcast which it will be looking at sort of really in depth looking at GCSEs as a home educator because obviously you have to you know you have to choose your subject quite carefully because as you say you don't want to sit if your child wants to do maths at university, you don't want them sitting it really at, at sort of 12, even if they could do, because you're going to have so many like gaps and the universities like to see very regular and recent study of that particular subject. So you have to choose things quite carefully, don't you, as well? You do, but I don't know if they're so bothered about when they've done the GCSEs. And if it was maths, for instance, you've still got the option of further maths and statistics to keep going with so That's that you've right. still got more maths that you can keep doing. Yeah, we um, started with statistics because, and then went on to maths and then A-level maths. And you can stagger it out in lots of different ways, can't you? You can. From what I understand, it's more about when they've sat the A-levels rather than the GCSEs yeah. that universities are bothered with. But And next tip is... Home education doesn't have to be expensive. And that is an important point because I get a lot of people who come on to Homeschooling UK and they say things like they can't afford to do it or they're not clever enough to do it. They're the two things I hear a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and these are like the biggest myths, I think, of home education. Definitely. If um, you only live on Facebook. Um, it, God mean, help us all, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it, you would get the idea that, you know, from a lot of the groups currently that, you know, you need to have tutors, you need to be signing up for online classes, you need to be looking at online schools, you need to be paying for every local workshop going. And to be honest, if I was coming at it with new eyes, I would be really put off by that. Mm. You know, I mean, we didn't use tutors all the way through, apart from music. I'd used them for music, and that's it. Um, but, you know, you don't have to use tutors. You know, no, you don't I... have to use online courses. You don't have no. to use online classes. I always, somebody came on the Facebook group <clears throat> only a few days ago and said, um, what's the, you know, what's the cheapest way that my child can home educate? And I said, you buy, you know, the absolute cheapest way is you buy some textbooks. But I'd go to your library. Yeah, that's true. Go to your library. That is the cheapest way. Get that library ticket. Make good use of your library. Make good use of your local museums. You know, mm -hmm. go mm -hmm. to charity shops. Loads of stuff in charity shops. Um, and there's always textbooks and that kind of thing, workbooks even sometimes, you know. Look for sales. Yeah. If you're going to be buying books, textbooks and things like that, contact the publishers. Quite often they do discounts, mm. uh, you know, sometimes specifically for home educators or other times if you're doing a bulk buy order. Um, but, yeah, and there's so many free resources available online, so many, you know. You really... 
you don't you don't have to be spending loads of money on subscriptions to this that yeah. and everybody uh, and I know that kind of sounds a bit weird because I do write resources that I do sell but it's kind <laughs> of like <laughs> my first thing to any I would say to anybody is find out what's free you know yeah and get and it's interesting first. It's interesting that you're a tutor and I run a tutor directory and we're both saying you don't need to use tutors because you don't. I mean, my children used a couple of tutors for things that I literally couldn't teach or that they had a real passion for that I wanted somebody who also had that passion to kind of share it with them. I, I know when my son wants to do physics at university and I recruited a physics tutor and the first thing I said to her was, I said, I don't care about the academics. I want I want him to love the subject and I want him to finish your tutoring and still loving the subject as much as he does now. Yeah. Yeah, that's important, I think, yeah. So we did a lot of music tutors because that's what my what my daughter wanted to do. And and that's what she went to study at 16. And then the only other thing I've paid for was I bought a distance learning course for physics again, the same physics, mm. because mm. that's just like, whoa. That's, um, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's a bit much. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not even that it's a bit much. It's that thing of we... I can support them in so many things that they learn because we're interested in it, you know, there's, but really I don't have that much interest in physics personally. Mm. I can do, it was fine doing the younger stuff, but he needed that qualification to get on to do A-level physics. So I needed to know that I was providing him with the means to do it. And I felt if I learned it alongside him, I wasn't going to give him that you know he yeah. would have ended up teaching me <laughs> that's it that's what happened with me with my child with maths the, the yeah. two of us sat down and we were learning maths together and he ended up teaching me and I realized I was actually slowing him down by doing yeah. it with him and that actually brings me on to the next tip because we used Life of Fred Maths which is an American mm-hmm. um, kind of maths maths books which are quasi-religious but not so much that yeah. it would necessarily put you off if you're if you're secular but they're very fun stories that so you mm. you learn maths through very fun stories and they go all the way up to kind of uh calculus and stuff i mean they're they're very advanced but the next tip of course is that the world is your oyster when it comes to home education resources you know america has amazing resources um a lot of the sort of far 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 eastern countries have really good resources like japan china has some very good resources now korea and um and it's absolutely fine to sort of utilize these as much as possible right well, it is definitely. I mean, we did use a lot of American resources, definitely when my two younger, when they were younger. But what I found was that I was having to adapt things because first of all, you've got the spelling, the grammar, mm-hmm. the language. It's not British English. It's not English. And I, I, I spent so much time having to compensate for what we were learning from that it just became counterproductive in the end. It just was... I, I found... I found the same thing is they would often say things like, oh, you know, this crater on the moon is the size of like three Kentuckys. And my children would look at me and go, I have no idea how big Kentucky is. (laughs) You know, or they would talk about baseball or basketball and and I would have to end up converting everything. Also, the other thing to bear in mind, of course, is that when you get to exam age, the um, the UK curriculum for exams, or at least what the exam boards set, um, that doesn't map so much to the uh, to the American curriculum. So you need to kind of shift off things like maths and stuff. You need to shift off a little bit earlier when it, if you're doing American stuff. Yeah, I would suggest that too, definitely. Um, 
because they do i mean they use different terminology than we do as well for certain things mm. and while that might not matter as an adult out there in the re you know in the bigger world when it comes to an exam the exam boards are looking for specifics you know yeah. and it needs to it needs to be right so definitely make sure if you are studying for gcse's that you are using materials that are geared towards the exam board and the spec that you are studying for you know yeah so don't use gcse stuff if you're using if you're going to be doing an igcse and vice versa yeah. And and well. again, we'll be doing a podcast on on this, you know, mm. talking about the difference between GCSEs and, and IGCSEs or international GCSEs. But that's another one just to mention that if you are using tutors or online courses or anything like that, make sure that it is mapping to the right GCSE. Because if you're doing chemistry, there's no point getting a tutor that is remarkably good at teaching GCSE chemistry because that's what they teach in school, because you'll have to be sitting IGCSE chemistry because it doesn't have the practicals with it. That's true, and there have been problems caused before that because of that. Before I've certainly heard of instances where the tutors have people have hired tutors. The tutors taught them a GCSE spec, and then it's not they don't have the the kids haven't got the right information then for going into the IGCSE that they're sitting. So yeah, always you're much better off asking other home educators for exam advice than tutors, unless yeah. it's or, an experienced tutor. Or recommendations for tutors as well, I think. Other yeah. home educators are the ones to ask. Um, and then our penultimate tip is, and this is an, another very important one, but they're all important ones, is to get involved in your local community. And I see this because I admin the Homeschooling UK group. I see this all the time um, that people come in and ask questions that really you're getting going to get so much better advice in your local group because they, they've got so much more knowledge of your local area. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really make good use of your local groups because they will have all the information you need about exam centres, about your local LA as well, because they're all quite different. And uh, you'll be able to find out about meetups and workshops and just talk to people and get general support for what's available where you are. I think meeting up with home educators is probably one of the biggest things because I home educated for years without really knowing that I was home educating because we were living around the world. And when we came back to the UK, I remember, I very distinctly remember the first home educator I ever met. My children were ice skating and there was another family of older children ice skating. And the woman came up to me and said, do you home educate? And I thought, I guess I do because they don't go to school. And she, and we were talking and she was recommending resources and it was the loveliest thing because I felt like I'd met, it was like a, a zebra that meets another zebra for the first time. You know, it's like, yes, there's another one of me. <laughs> and it's very like that, I think, isn't it? When you home educate is that it, there's nothing beats being able to sit and have a cup of coffee with other home educators. Oh, absolutely. Because home educators, uh, understand really what's going on you know we've got even though every home family is different and we all have different approaches and children with different needs we still have a lot of things in common as well and one of the main things to be able to do is be able to say to somebody oh this has been really hard without them turning around and saying well you should send them to school then do you know what I mean so... <laughs> like every member of your family would do <laughs> <laughs> possibly the other yeah. thing I think is worth mentioning is that sometimes not always but sometimes in on Facebook groups or online 
Um, you can get the impression that home educators are, you know, it can feel quite cliquey sometimes or, you know, a little bit divisive. And people, you know, can sometimes come on and sort of criticize you for certain, making certain choices online. And I have to say, in the flesh, I've never, ever experienced anything like that. In the flesh, home educators are always lovely to each other. <laughs> for the most part, yes, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Not always, but for the most part, definitely, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but home educators are people like anybody else. You know, mm. you're going to get on with some, you're not going to get on with others. Mm. Um, but yes, I feel like there is a lot less criticism than appears to be on social media. Uh, Keyboard you know. warriors. Absolutely. Things they can get away with. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, I think another important thing when it comes to local groups is that if you're looking for meetups or you're looking for something in particular, it's okay to go on and start your own. You know, if you can't find what you want, then set something up and, and people will come. Absolutely. But I would also suggest that you really, if you are new to home education, that you check there's not something already like that going on in your local area. Because I have seen that. I have seen brand new home educators come into the group, into the local home ed group on Facebook and go, I'm setting up this. And it's just kind of, yeah, we've got that going on already. Yeah, yeah I've seen about that five too. years. <laughs> you know, so do check that out uh, find out what is going on first and the other thing is that you know just because it's not in your little up your street you might not be able to set it up up your street but you've got to sometimes be prepared to travel to get to the yeah. meetups and social events that you want to I always standardly traveled about 40 45 minutes to pretty much every home home ed meetup that I went on and um and that wasn't unusual. If you don't drive however, that is a good a good opportunity to set something up. You know, where you sort of say I don't drive but maybe we can meet at the local playground or or people could come to my house or something. Absolutely, I'll do something centrally, you know, where you have got if you have got public transport access, you know, uh, like town centers and things like that. If you can your big town center park is usually quite a nice one and it's free as well which uh, helps to keep your costs down because it uh, certainly does yeah. and especially when the children get older and you're thinking of exams keeping the costs down is quite essential isn't it because you have to save up for those GCSEs well absolutely absolutely you know you need to be a little bit selective about what you do take your kids to I suppose as they get older um, and they become more selective naturally as they get older to be honest yeah I mean as we were saying Helen luckily as they get older they spend most of their time in bed anyway so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> and our last tip today is and this is something I think that I learned the hard way I suppose like you could say is not to be afraid to ditch things if they're not working you know to do 180 degree turns and and get out of there even if you signed up even if it's for a year even if you've paid good money it's better to lose the money than lose you and your child's kind of time and energy doing something that isn't working well that's true that's true definitely like you say flexibility is uh, is key really it's this the thing isn't the about curriculum the curriculum's got to be your guide and not your master if you are mm -hmm. using curriculum kind of thing which you don't um, have to of course no you don't you don't have to but you know you can create your own kind of, mm. so whatever whatever it is you're using any resources you're using and even if you are a family that has a routine and rhythm to your day it could just be a simple case of like take the day off you know yeah you're still going to be learning as long as if you've done that de-schooling process you're going to be still able to see the education that's happening around you with your children even if you are taking time out of your regular routine I think that's also important isn't it because sometimes you can have planned everything perfectly and you know you and your child have decided what you want to learn and then you start doing it and it just doesn't work for some reason that day and it's okay to just 
spin it off and go out and go and have a a hot chocolate and a biscuit somewhere and and then come back another day and either come back to that thing again and with fresh eyes or just come back to something else. Absolutely, absolutely. The only time really that you need to be a bit more insistent or, or persistent actually is when you're studying for those exam specs because that is the only time really that it actually matters that they've got that piece of information there because they're gonna they are gonna be tested on it. The rest of the time there are no tests. Nobody's going to test you at the end of the week to see what you've learned. And even if you know, <laughs> only your mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you do have tests as part of your home ed, some people like to do spelling tests and things like that. Um, then it's kind of that's okay. But if you nobody's going to say out to you if you mm. just decide not to do your spelling test that week or you know whatever it is you do, it's it's your child's education, it's your family's experience, and it's your choice and I think that takes us back to something you said right at the beginning about confidence and it's this idea that we need to be sort of confident enough to go with our intuition about when something is working when we need to take a break my daughter is doing exams you know she's sort of in the middle of her GCSE study and she's just taken four or five months off all study all 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 kind of what I call in inverted commas lessons um And she's obviously still been learning. You know, she's still Mm -hmm. doing the reels that that I mentioned and things like that. But we took quite a lot of time off for us. That's the longest she's ever had off kind of, you know, um, home education as such. It's the longest she's ever had off that since since she was a very young child. And it was because she just her kind of mojo had gone her motivation had gone and we've just gone back to it now a couple of weeks ago. And she's her maths has massively improved, even though she hasn't done any. It's so interesting. Yeah, because she will have been doing maths in real life, mm. you know. She will have been mm. doing maths every day. If she's making reels and videos and things like that, there's maths involved there with numbers and times and all that kind of thing and video editing. And if she's buying and spending money, there's maths involved there. If mm. she's creatively crafting things, you know, you've got measuring, you've got loads of things going on mathematically. I'd say with baking, there's so much maths in real life. I think the other thing I found, um, which I wish I'd known earlier, <laughs> like a lot of these tips actually, is that the happier your child is, so the more relaxed, the less stressed, the less anxious, um, they will just learn better. You know, they will they will love their learning more. They will learn. They will retain what they've learned, and everything just becomes easier. It's like oiling the process. I think when your child is is just happier and less anxious, and that's why it's so important. I think to take that time to focus on those things first, especially if you've taken your child out of school for a negative reason. Absolutely. Um, I think the best way to try and understand that as a parent is again part of the deschooling process is to start observing how you learn. And when you learn and look at your own your own self and what's going on there. So you might not be sat down learning GCSE maths, but you might be learning how to knit or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. I've learned to, I've been knitting for years, but I'm learning currently. I'm learning how to knit a sock. OK, <laughs> so I am learning I and I'm watching what I'm learning because you think, oh, knitting, you've been doing it forever. You know how to knit. But that process of making this heel turn and this toe and the grafting is all new to me so Mm. you know I'm watching myself how I'm learning how many times you know do I I have to unpick it what's my attitude to all this so these are things that that help me then to help my children yeah 
Like. I'm learning I'm learning Spanish at the moment and if I'm tired or if I'm stressed or if I'm a little bit miserable uh, or if I feel that I'm not doing very well at it I just don't want to do it but when I feel that I'm doing well at it that I've got time that I'm relaxed that I'm not being pressured to do it you know that I haven't set myself sort of weird deadlines I find I just I naturally do it and I enjoy it and I think that is indicative of our children as well. Oh, I think so definitely you know it's not just about the process of learning it's kind of things like finding out what's your best time of day to learn have it watching your child when is their best time of day to learn which will change as well right as they get older oh definitely yeah I mean we always did have kind of tried to do mornings you know focused together in the morning doing learning and that's not always been book learning a lot of it has been very sort of hands-on practical learning especially when they were younger um but the it was we were together um a lot of read alouds and things like that and then in the afternoon was much more for their personal projects free play whatever they wanted to do and it meant i got had some time to do things that i wanted to do too as they got older and needed less supervision so yeah so we've kind of tried to do that really and that came about because it made for a better day if we started together in the morning and again that was through experience Yep, finding what works for you and what works for your family. Absolutely, you know, careful observation. Or and then we become experts, ex- experts at, at, on our children, don't we? <laughs> when <Yeah>. you home educate, because <laughs> you, you spend so much time together and you spend so much time, as you say, just kind of like seeing what works, what doesn't work. You become complete experts at them. <laughs> you, like, you, could, you go on mastermind and answer questions about your child. You know everything oh, yeah. about them. <laughs> My specialist subject is. <laughs> yes, it sounds a bit weird, but it's true, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I get that. So that yeah. I think that's it for today. I think we've whistle-stopped through all those tips. There's a lot there, and we will be doing mm-hmm. other podcasts where we – sort of deep dive down into some of these particularly things like exams we're also going to be doing some where we look at different approaches to home education like unschooling and flexi schooling or you know um uh, structured schooling and stuff like that so do keep an eye out for other podcasts that we'll be doing on the on some of these tips going into a bit more detail but for now I just want to say thank you very much Helen having a 30 plus years experience in home education is is a very awesome thing and I will be getting your medal in the post to you because you definitely <laughs> deserve one <laughs> thank you very much I'll keep my eyes open for that <laughs> it's been very nice chatting with you today <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for today's home education matters podcast see you at the next one have a lovely day